Hello and welcome to the Edify Podcast. This is designed for you, preacher, teacher, shepherd, deacon of the kingdom of God, for your edification, for your uplifting, for your ministry. All right, welcome back to episode, I guess this is one, for real one this time, season two. Uh, let's just delve right into the preparation uh, of the sermon. Jeremiah 23 and verse 28 said, Let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. So let's just deal with preaching specifically. If you want to take notes, number one, handle God's word with reverence and care. When you sit down to open the Bible and prepare a sermon, realize what it is that you are actually opening. The book that lies before you is the holy, God-breathed, revelation bestowed upon humanity from the very creator of this universe. It is the words of God. Uh, they're not ours. Uh, and so we should, we should dread the, the thought of standing before God's people and maligning it or misinterpreting it or mishandling it or misapplying it in any, uh, any kind of way and, and even unintentionally. It needs to be so serious in your mind what you have in front of you we need to be very careful. Jake, be very careful to deliver God's Word to God's people intact. Don't twist the text. Don't distort the meaning in any way, even even if it scares you, even if it bothers you, even if it may even contradict a particular teaching or tradition that you've always come to know. God's Word holds the standard. 2 Timothy 2.15, the age-old verse that we love and hold to, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, which, which if I can rightly divide it, then that means that I can wrongly divide it. To have God's approval of your teaching, you must rightly divide the word. In other words, you must handle it correctly. And to do this, you must handle God's word with reverence and be very, very careful when it comes to your own personal take, uh, the interpretation that the Holy Spirit is producing, and how you can expositorily put it out in a way that is relevant to the church in this day and age. So handle the word uh, with reverence and care. Also, in order to, to, to make sure that we don't misapply or, or, or misinterpret or malign in any kind of way, we have to, number two, diligently study this word. Acts 18, verse 24, he was mighty in the scriptures. We're talking about Apollos, and what he knew, what he had, was the old scrolls, uh, and he needed to be taught more accurately. But, but in particular, he was mighty in the scriptures. If you want to teach God's word to other people, you got to be determined to become a very serious student of the scriptures do not be content in just reading the bible as as we've often said in this in this podcast look at this book as something to teach and something to preach not necessarily something just to learn that that may suffice if we're just reading the bible to learn uh for for maybe we might say you know just the old average believer uh joe on the pew but if you're going to teach god's word accurately you must study the bible and i love what root what luke writes about Apollos in the book of Acts in verse 24, he was a, he was a Jew. He was named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, uh, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the scriptures. Luke says that Apollos was mighty in the scriptures, 
He had a great grasp on, on the Scriptures, the Old Testament. And that's something every teacher of the Scriptures should desire to have, not just the Old, but the New. I, I've heard folks say, well, well, we're a New Testament church, and you need to preach out of the New Testament. Well, don't go to the book of Hebrews then, because you're going to have no idea if you don't have a good, right understanding of the Old Testament. Um, those are just ignorant folks. You and I need to have the desire to be mighty in the Scriptures. Now, how does one develop a great grasp on the Scriptures? Well, think about Ezra. Uh, Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10, For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances Israel. Ezra made a decision, I'm personally going to study the Word of God. I'm going to set my heart, not just the actions, but his heart, the innermost, and the actions always follow. So that's what we need to do. Very, very well known in religious circles, John MacArthur he said, a young man said to me, what is the real key to great preaching? And he was kind of starry-eyed, and I'm sure he expected some spiritual, you know, answer. And he said, well, it's, it's the ability to keep your rear end in the chair till you understand the text. And he says, the boy was shocked. And he says, yes, that's the real key. What separates great preaching from poor preaching is whether you know what you're talking about or not studying until you really understand the text is vitally important to good preaching it's not always easy sometimes it's it's uh, long it's it's consuming work it takes time it takes deducing the original language it takes uh, grammar and syntax and all that sort of stuff but it's worth it it's eternally worth it uh, I, I once heard a story of a, a world-famous violin player somehow uh, somebody asked him on one occasion uh, asked her actually uh, how she got so good at playing. And her answer <laughs> was planned neglect. <laughs> now you think, what in the world is planned neglect? And that was an odd answer. And the person you know, questioned her on this, and she explained. She said, there were many things that used to demand my time. When I went to my room after breakfast, I made my bed, straightened the room, dusted, and did whatever seemed necessary. When I finished my work, I turned to my violin, and to practice, and that system prevented me from accomplishing what I should on the violin. So I reversed things. I deliberately planned to neglect everything else until my practice period was complete. And that program of plan neglect is the secret of my success. That should inspire us realistically. Uh, planned neglect. Uh, we were told in preaching school, don't allow the brethren to, t to steal your time of study. Uh, my preacher growing up, Steve McCaslin, uh, out of McMinnville, Tennessee, he came to Adairsville when I was, I don't know, maybe five or six, and he was there for 18 years in the pulpit. And when I went to preaching school, that's something that he told me and he told my brother as we both went, and um, and, and even a few other guys who left from there and went to, to Memphis, and he said, he said, don't allow the brethren to, t to steal your study time. So, plan neglect. We, knowing the importance and value of true biblical expository preaching, we've got to understand that. Knowing that it is God's Word alone that He promises will not return void, Isaiah 55, 11. Knowing that it is the Holy Scriptures which are able to make us wise uh, for salvation, 2 Timothy three fifteen. We need to know uh, that it is God's Word alone that is the living and powerful uh, sharper than any two-edged sword, it's piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, Hebrews 4 and verse 12. And for your notes on this, 
knowing knowing it is God's word that makes a person uh, complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Second Timothy three seventeen. May I encourage you if you're planning on teaching, if you if you plan on preaching God's word, um, plan on neglecting some things in your life. That may mean that you turn off the television, that you cancel the cable, that you let your your subscription expire. Uh, messing around the golf, getting rid of PlayStation, you know, checking your Twitter, your Facebook, your Instagrams, or whatever. Uh, do all of that less. Plan neglect. Exam, examine your weekly routine. Uh, what, do you, what do you waste your time doing? Could you dedicate some of the time or all of that time to studying the Word? And I bet you could if, you, if you'll purpose in your heart, like Ezra, to study that Word. And I want to talk about you know the studying aspect a little later on, um, but but I want to end this this particular uh, thought on this point um, with a reminder from G. Campbell Morgan. He said the supreme work of Christian of the Christian minister is the work of preaching. This is a day in which one of our great perils is that of doing a thousand little things to neglect to the neglect of the one thing, which is preaching. There are a thousand little things that you and I can get involved with, but we've got to neglect those. Don't neglect the preaching. Where I'm at at Piedmont Road, my particular lane is pulpit ministry. I'm told to stay in my lane. Thankfully, my shepherds allow me to do that. They don't expect me to be an elder or a deacon. Um, Jake, you're the pulpit minister. Excel in the ministry of, of pulpit preaching. Uh, you're not um, connections minister with Paul Sperlin. You're not uh, church secretary. You're not one of the deacons. You're not with the Georgia School of Preaching, David Decker. Uh, we want you to stay in your lane, which means I have to say no to some people, even some good-hearted people who would have me delve into some of their work with them. Uh, it, it is a serious nature um, and necessary that we, we plan neglect. Um, so there are a thousand things that we could get into, and especially good things. Um, but even more so today, we have to be particular. Um, all the distractions, everything that's fighting for our attention, put them away. Put them away. Plan neglect those things. Let's shift into um, into maybe a practical aspect, or how how can this affect my personal work, my my actual work this week. I want you to study as early in the week as possible for an upcoming message. I, I go here, this is October, and a month from now I'm leaving for Austin, Texas, and I'll be out there roughly a week. And uh, myself and Denny Howell, another preacher up in Ottawa, Tennessee, uh, we're going to go and get away and uh, just breathe and refresh, scrap our minds of what this season, this, this past year has been, uh, and plan those sermons uh, for the next year. Uh, and just take that time, take that sabbatical, but but in a particular way, uh, for you, you know, in in your local work, study as early as you possibly can for the upcoming message. Stephen Alford, he said he said messages mature over time. Relevant thoughts and insights can come to mind while driving in the car, waiting in a line, or even in the middle of an important conversation. So I want to urge you, always begin studying for an upcoming teaching uh, lesson or, 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 or preaching. Um, you know, maybe particularly if it's a Sunday, maybe start on Monday. I personally take Mondays off. 
I'm exhausted Sunday. I've died in the pulpit. I got to heal. I don't answer my phone. I don't do nothing. I purposefully don't go anywhere or see anybody as best as I can. Uh, but Tuesday, um, rest assured, my mind's cranking. If I'm preaching on Sunday, resting on Monday, then I'm going to read through my scriptures on Tuesday. Uh, things that I'm going to be talking about for the next week. And this allows me, uh, gives me some days to mull over what I'm going to be teaching on, what I'm going to be preaching on. Um, praying for wisdom on how I should preach it, how I should teach my classes, you know, thinking about illustrations, um, applying it to my own life, how to make it a, a applicable, uh, really relatable. And so I want to encourage you to do likewise. Give yourself a head start um, when it comes to the preaching. Study it, yes. Make it your priority, yes. Uh, but do it as early as you possibly can. Um, the better off you'll be the quicker you start this and uh, it's going to help you prepare those messages so number next if you will i think this is four but saturate your teaching with the word of god isaiah 55 11 we've already mentioned it so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what i desire and without succeeding in the matter for which i sent it it seems to me that the more and more we find men standing behind the pulpit today. Um, so many of them, even in the brotherhood, are neglecting to heed Paul's words to preach the word, 2 Timothy 4.2. Many read a verse, a paragraph, but then launch into all kinds of other things, and there's a story and a joke, and, and there's quotes from books or video clips, and everything but the word. It's, it's about the PowerPoint, it's about the notes, it's whatever. Uh, and sadly, the, the result is malnourished, underfed believers they and what the deal is is they don't know the scriptures when you preach and teach like that on a regular basis they do not know the scriptures they have shallow walks with the lord they're easy prey for the cults uh false teachers are everywhere they're going to get gobbled up and um all kinds of unbiblical teaching that that, that blows through the church because your half-heartedness uh, with your preaching concerning the word of god such a tragedy in our generation. And I think some of the blame for the success of the, you know, quote, emerging church movement uh, and its liberal, you know, heretical theology falls at the feet of seeker-sensitive churches. Um, for the past few decades, churches have neglected to teach God's Word in any kind of an in-depth expositional manner and as a result, they've raised up a generation of young people in the church who don't know the Word of God. And so when somebody hands the people uh, in their congregation um, books like, uh, gracious, I don't know, Velvet Elvis by Rob Bell, uh, The Shack by William Young, uh, Everything Must Change by Brian McLaren or, or whatever, this is this is how people continue to go in this direction that they're going. There's not an emphasis on the Word of God. Um, you know, I hear some folks talk about we need we need this particular book or this particular book, and what book do you have to teach from, or or what can I do? And, and not not knocking a book, but don't allow the book to take the place of the Scripture. Don't allow the book to lead the conversation. Don't allow the book to dominate the room. Um, usually. Usually a book is good uh, to help you get started. Usually a book is good to give you ideas. Um, but, but to give a book uh, to the church or to the classroom uh, and say, y'all just have at it and have fun, 
don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when Satan kisses you right in the mouth with some false theology that the church has now grabbed a hold of. Most of the church are sheep. You've got to remember that. And they're not able to spot anything unbiblical in them. When they, when they turn to Oprah, the same thing goes. Uh, when they read Joel Osteen, same thing. It, it all sounds fine to them, and it's heartbreaking. Now, what would have prevented this? Paul told Timothy uh, that, you know, and to us, by implication, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his second coming, uh, at his coming, preach the word, 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. He didn't say make sure you include a citation from the word. He didn't say preach from the word as though it was some sort of launching pad for all of the other stuff you want to say. Paul said preach the word. Your messages should be saturated with Scripture. They should ooze Scripture. And if you're listening to this podcast, and you're not a preacher or a teacher, if your preachers and teachers are not just filled with the Word of God, and I'm not necessarily talking about a preacher who gets up there and uses the Bible as a reference book and just fires off rapid fire a bunch of verses at you that you don't even have time to read your Bible. I think that's, that, that also cripples the church. That, that, that also is the mindset where the preacher is the one who knows it all and we go and listen to him. Um, expositional. Use a verse or a few verses and delve into those verses. Get them to open their Bibles. Uh, I don't care if it's even a digital Bible. doesn't matter. Just get them to open their Bibles. I, I sat in on a Bible study, if that's what you want to call, um, a while back. Um, and, um, well, maybe this has happened to you where the, the preacher or the teacher, whoever's conducting the study, uh, started off teaching uh, by showing a 10-minute clip from a movie. Then he went to talk about how uh, the movie clip was illustrative of the fact that Christians need times to rest. There was no opening of the Bible, and you may be thinking, He's got a 30-minute slot to teach, and he just wasted most of the time showing a movie clip and talking about the movie. And when that happens, um, when, I, when I'm in a classroom or, or I'm listening to somebody preach, and that's how they do things, I just want to scream. I want to stand up, and I want to say, bring out the book, Nehemiah 8.1. <laughs> preach the Word of God, 2 Timothy 4, 2. Um, I didn't, but maybe I should have. In churches all over the world, especially within the body of Christ, this can this can happen. People are suffering under this kind of spiritually starved teaching week in and week out. And but 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 think about how prosperous wherever God's word is, and it's consistently laid open. Think about how prosperous that actually is. Listen to what God likens the scriptures to. I'm going to give you a list of these things, of how God views his scripture number one water water that washes clean ephesians five twenty six. seed that can bring forth fruit mark four fourteen. milk that nourishes first peter 2 2 meat that satisfies hebrews five fourteen. fire that cleanses jeremiah twenty three twenty nine. a hammer that shatters jeremiah twenty three twenty nine. Uh, a sword that cuts deeply, Hebrews 4.12. Medicine to keep us from getting sick. Uh, sick of sin, Psalm 119.11. A lamp to our feet. A light to our path, Psalm 119.105. A mirror that reflects ourselves to us, James 1.23.25. A tutor 
that leads us to Christ, Galatians 3.24, a counselor that comforts us, Romans 15.4, and that which revives us, Psalm 119.50. It's also a forecaster that never fails, 2 Peter 1.19, and that which makes us wiser than our enemies, Psalm 119.98. How vital and how important then God's word is in the life of the believer, water, seed, milk, meat, fire, hammer, sword, medicine, lamp, mirror, tutor, counselor, revives, a reviver, a forecaster, and makes us all the wiser. And the, great, the greatest thing that could happen in the church today would be a wholehearted return by men who occupy the pulpit to expository preaching. When I say po- expository preaching, I mean preaching that is committed to these tenets, opening the Word of God, unpacking what the Bible says, explaining what it means, illustrating the passage when it is necessary, it's not always necessary, and giving a clear, passionate exhortation on how it applies to the lives of the believers and the non-believers. If more preachers and Bible teachers and and all sorts of ministers, youth, women, whatever, would return to this method of, of preaching and teaching, it would, there is no doubt, start. There would be a massive revival uh, amongst God's people. Now, obviously, we can't change, and we can't do much to change what other people are or are not doing in the church, but we can resolve in my own personal life and in the own church that I work and labor to do or continue to do the very thing that the Holy Spirit spoke through Paul, preach the word. And perhaps, as God blesses our efforts, other preachers are going to see it, other churches are going to see it, other church members are going to see it from around our little worlds, and they're going to see that the church is thriving, the church is growing, and they're going to ask the question, what are y'all doing over there? What in the world is going on over there? Y'all must be liberal because you're getting bigger. God forbid the church grows. I've heard people say that. Oh, they grew a crowd over there. They must be doing something liberal. How stupid could that could 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 a person be to say such a thing? God's word does not return void. Have you ever thought that the church is actually over there working? Should people inquire? Yes. And when they inquire, we will unashamedly tell them it's the Lord. <laughs> We're just loving people. We're consistently giving the people the water that washes clean. It's the seed that brings forth fruit, the milk that nourishes, the meat that satisfies, the fire that cleanses. It's a medicine that keeps us from getting sick with sin. And it might just inspire these folks to do the exact same. I wanted to give you these things as you teach and preach God's Word. Remember who we are. Remember whose we are. Remember what responsibility we have. And it's my prayer as you go out and about preaching and teaching God's Word that you will be, you will understand that you are blessed in your deeds. Just be faithful. Don't worry about what people think. Just preach the Word of God. And listen, the truth will stand when the world's on fire. We need to be standing with it. God bless you in your preaching and in your teaching.